Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, July 21st. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Weigh In Sports. Tonight, we will have a special interview with legendary college football coach Vince Dooley. Now, here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle and Wells, for the introduction. Uh, my dog is feeling better, by the way. He's barking. You hear him. He's healthy and happy now, so so he had to throw his two cents in. So, Trey, did you get to hear Philo in the background there? Uh, I heard you, Joe. Uh, he's a good dog, man, but he's feeling better. Uh, he was sick yesterday pretty bad, so we're glad to have him healthy to get ready for a big show tonight with, like she said, legendary coach Vince Dooley Trey, just a, an amazing man, amazing coach, just amazing all around, excited to play that at 930 Eastern tonight. So I hope everybody's ready. And tonight we're going to preview the Clemson Tigers in the ACC and the Nebraska Cornhuskers in the Big Ten. So, Trey, we have a lot on the agenda, so let's get started. Let's do it, man. I'm going to do a sound check real quick in the chat room. If you're in the chat room there, just tell us how we sound tonight. If there's any kind of – if you can't hear us, let us know. I always want to do that because I have done shows where people can't hear. So we're here tonight, Trey. A lot in the sports world going on. You know, baseball is back in full swing. But I want to touch real quick – on the Boston Red Sox, just baseball for a second and see what you're thinking. You know, this is the best team in the American League record at the All-Star break, but all of a sudden, Trey, the wheels are starting to fall off with injuries, especially to to a part of their team that's their weakness, actually. They're starting pitching and they're relief pitching. So what are your thoughts on the Red Sox? Are they going to be strong enough to make a push and still win this division or possibly a wild card? Well, I mean, I'm going to stick by in my prediction that they're going to be a favorite uh, every team kind of has a injury bug that hits them, and it's all about how quickly you can turn it around and, and how those players you have to recover, um, you know, or come in and, and help your team recover from the injury. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I mean, they're playing the Yankees. It's always a tough series uh, after the All-Star break for the Red Sox. But I, I still think they're going to be okay. We'll see how they can weather this injury bug, though, uh, pitching-wise. Well, Andy, let's say you talked about the Yankees, Aroid, you know, for the Yankees. He was supposed to come back, and now he has a, a great A growing, or is it a quad injury, Trey? I mean, is, is this really an injury that's going to prevent him from playing, or are they just trying to keep him out as long as possible? No, I mean, this is going to mean you saw Derek Jeter um, got hurt uh, right after he came back, and then you saw the same thing from, from Rodriguez, so – you know, I mean, these guys are 38, 39 years old. It's going to happen. I mean, they're not going to be able to recover as quickly when they do get injured. And I think for Jeter, he rushed back. For Alex Rodriguez, I'm not sure we're ever going to see him the same way before. Uh, one, for possibly steroids, 
but for two, just an age alone. So the Patellas trade, like, when you're looking at a lot of people, I've noticed it this season, and maybe it's happened in the past more, but I've paid more attention this time. A lot of players coming off the disabled list are getting hurt right when they come back. I mean, can you explain that? Well, I mean, it's not so uncommon that we, we have never seen it before, but I do think there's something to it when you have players, especially in the 90s, who were able to use steroids and performance-enhancing drugs to recover very quickly and get back to strength. The problem now, uh, perhaps with some of these guys, I mean, one is age. Uh, some of these guys are just, you know, you can't recover as quickly when you're almost 40 years old as, you know, Jeter and A-Rod are. Uh, but the other part of it is, is I, I really think that, you know, Alex Rodriguez uh, is having to do it without without the help that he's had before, and I don't think his body is able to recover. And man, I, I, I pulled a hamstring the other day walking my dog around the block, man. I mean, I know what it feels like to get older, and it, and it does take more time to to recover. Look at Jeter coming back, Trey. You know, he was ready to go, and he he gets a, he hits, he's DHing. You know, he's not playing the field or anything. He runs the first, he hurts himself. Do you think these guys are coming back way too early? Well, like I said, in Jeter's case, yeah. For Alex Rodriguez, you know, I don't know if he was coming back too early. I think it was more of an issue of a player who probably isn't in the best conditioning yeah. shape. Um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I just think that Rodriguez is a guy who's not putting in the time to get healthy, um, probably because he's relied so heavily on performance-enhancing drugs over his career. I think you're exactly right on that one. And, and when you're used to playing with steroids, from what I hear, and, and you can't play with them anymore, it takes you a while, you know, to get back and get used to playing as your normal self again. In A-Rod's case, I don't know how long he's been playing clean. Um, that's the problem I have. I mean, Trey, it's been a long time that uh, he's been playing, I think, juiced mm-hmm. up, and now now he's coming back. I'm, I'm getting a little background noise from your phone there. Um, and, and now that he's coming back, I think he's going to have to do it the right way. I just don't think he can do it at 38 years old to come back and play at even half the level he was at, Trey. Yeah, I, mean, like I, said, I don't think we're ever going to see what we, we saw in Alex Rodriguez uh, ever again. I mean, I, I think it's over for him. Uh, he may have some some years where he tries to play, but I'm not sure. I'll be honest. I think he's going to be suspended. I think we're going to see these Florida PED suspensions come out uh, at the very end of the year this year. Probably we're probably about a month away. Uh, they're probably going to be suspended for next year. So for Alex Rodriguez, Tarvin, it's going to be one of those things that even if he comes back this year a little bit from the injury. Um, you know, from this this you know calf injury or quad injury that he got today or yesterday, um, he's going to be missing most of next year, if not not the entire year, from a suspension more than likely. Yeah, I think A Rod's done. I, I don't think we'll see him anymore. I think he's out. I mean, he's going to get something from the Yankees. I, I could see the Yankees pulling him to the side and. And, and settling with him a little bit just to retire or something, just to get him out because it's coming very soon. He's going to get suspended for you know from Major League Baseball. And can you imagine Trey? And it's going to probably be next year he gets suspended. Thirty nine years old being suspended for a hundred games probably, and almost being forty years old. I, I'm just really I just can't imagine him coming back and, and being any kind of impact in the American League East. No, I, I don't. I don't think he's gonna have an impact, uh, at least a positive one. Uh, they, they've been pretty terrible at third base, so I think they'd like him to come back. 
and be somewhat of a productive player. I think there's a lot of hope uh, in Yankee land that he can come back and be at least half a player because they've been so terrible at third base. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him to be your saving grace this year if you're the Yankees. I mean, one of the best things I heard about the New York Yankees was they need to implode um, because they're a team who actually are doing much better, I think, with their starting pitching this year than they expected to be. And it's actually hurting, I think, the long-term value of this team because they have so many old veterans, and that farm system has been sort of just collapsed through trade that they really need to kind of just start over again. And, and the fact that they're still sort of in it this year is delaying their progress and really creating a winning team uh, like they've had before where they've built up a lot of talent uh, and then brought them to the big leagues together. I mean, Rivera, Jeter, I mean, these guys are all, you know, farm-fresh dudes uh, the Yankees produced. So, you know, Pettit, I mean, you, you can, the list goes on and on. And they just don't have those guys anymore. Okay. Hey, just stay in baseball real quick, Trey. Did you see Puig's throw from right field uh, to third base to actually nail a runner and they called him safe? Uh, who's throw? Puig from the Dodgers. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see it, no. I just want to see if you saw it. But, hey, the other day, let's go with the college football now. The other day, you came up with a good arrest. You know, it was funny, a, a BUI voting under the influence. But I think I found, a, you know, a funnier one, Trey. I mean, it's stupid. Uh, Florida linebacker got arrested for barking at a dog, a police dog, a canine. Have you heard that? Yeah, I saw I saw that. I think there might be <laughs> some uh, public intoxication that goes with that one as well. You think so, man? I mean, I go barking at dogs all the time, man, just – just during the middle of the day, but th- this police officer was actually trying to, to you know, do an investigation and arrest, and and here comes uh, what's his name Morrison Antonio Morrison, the linebacker from Florida, barking at a dog. In his defense, like they said in the chat room, he said the dog barked first, Trey. So are you buying that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think <laughs> I don't know that it comes down to the who barked first. I mean, and just another crazy story <laughs> coming out this year. Um, but he was uh, he was arrested for harassing a police animal, as Miklos uh, in our chat room said. Yeah. So there, there's some drunken intoxication, some some public uh, intoxication that was with that as well, from what I'm hearing. So uh, he's well, he was arrested for a couple earlier games. in the month. Yeah, he's been he was arrested earlier in the month, Trey, and I think he punched a bouncer, I believe. He, he hit someone. I think it was a bouncer, if I if I remember back then. So in a month, he's had two arrests. Any chance that that must champ's two game suspension for this dude was because of really that first arrest maybe, and he just sat out trying to send a message because I don't think he'd suspend a guy for barking at a dog for two games. Well, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that two games sends a, a tough message when you've been arrested twice. I mean, it, that's a, that's a, a game and arrest. That seems a little light to me. I mean, you have uh, you know Mark Rick for instance, who has a you know a four game suspension for certain types of arrests. I think that's a much uh, a much harsher rule uh, than say you know a, a game and a rest. <laughs> I don't know, but I think I topped your BUI, man. I, I really <laughs> do. I, I try I tried to top it. I tried to do some research, and there it was, man. The dog. Well, I don't know. Barking at a kicker. Because, I mean, it, the BUI was a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. But you know, I wasn't barking a canine, German Shepherd dog like that because I'd be afraid it would bite my face off. I mean, seriously, you really want to do that? You have to be intoxicated to do something like that because I've been around German Shepherds, and they're not dogs you want to, you know, to really tick off, especially a police dog. 
But let's stay in college football, Trey. The Auburn Tigers making some noise today in the recruiting world. And you remember years, a couple years ago I was telling you about the JUCOs, and I've said it on this show that Auburn needs to really focus on that. Picked up the best JUCO, the number one rated JUCO in the country, um, and they picked up a defensive tackle, Trey. I don't know if you're keeping up with it, but that moved Damian Craig, an ex-Florida State coach, up to number one in 247 rating. Yeah, I did see something about uh, about the recruiting. There's been a lot of recruiting news going on, not just with Auburn this week, um, with a lot of teams, a lot of recruits for announcing this week on their verbal commitments. But, you know, verbal commitments don't mean a whole lot, as Tom Luganbill told us uh, on our radio show. So, you know, it's one of those things that it's great to see your team up there at this point. But remember these kids, uh, you know, Reuben Foster was a lock at this point for Auburn last year as well. So uh, anything happens. Exactly, and also Georgia making some news in recruiting. They're they're a top class right now, and they and they have a, a good number of recruits right now. Tennessee's on the recruiting trail, uh, with a lot of momentum. So it's just interesting to see before the season starts, you know, where your team's going to be. Auburn is at 15 right now, which, like you said, it doesn't mean anything with 14 uh, recruits, six of those four stars and eight. But look at Georgia up at number two with only 16 recruits. You know, nine four stars, six three stars, and one five. But Tennessee is the number one team in recruiting right now, according to CBS, and they have 24 total recruits. Trey, that takes a lot of pressure off a coaching staff when you've already signed 24 to your 2014 class, and you haven't even hit fall camp yet, really. Well, I mean, Tennessee, I mean, yeah, they, they're calling it brick by brick up at Tennessee with Coach Latt and Butch Jones. And they really are doing some waves in recruiting. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that we talked about with their tough schedule when preview Tennessee. It really is going to be brick by brick for them because every recruit they have, they're going to have to try to keep this year these verbal commitments because, you know, it's easy to sell them on uh, a season or a team prior to you taking the field. And the same can be said for Albert and Gus Malzahn. But if things go wrong this year, you know, because you don't have the people in place, it's a lot harder to keep some of those recruits that you promised the program was turning around. So, you know, it's one of those things we'll have to see how Butch Jones, Gus Malzahn, and even uh, even Stoops up at Kentucky who's making noise, Tarvin, to see if they can hold on to some of these guys when the Alabamas, the Floridas, you know, those other SEC schools come calling. Well, that's a very good point you brought up, Trey. It's all about right now with Tennessee and Auburn and Kentucky, actually, success on the field. These recruits have to – have to watch you play this fall and see you actually compete and, and going ahead. If Auburn comes out with a, a four and eight season or a five and seven, six and six, some of these guys could jump ship easy because, I mean, you have to have success on the field in order to get these guys. That's what it's about now. So I'll be interested to see how many they hold on to. I guarantee you, if we look right now, Trey, probably 50% of the players that are verbally committed will be somewhere else before long. So, I mean, it moves around a lot in recruiting, so I thought I would throw that throw that around real quick. So a lot going on recruiting, and we'll have Tom back on hopefully soon and J.C. Sherbert from, from CBS to go over some of these recruiting rankings for all of our college football fans, Trey. There's just a lot going on right now. And, and congratulations to Phil Mickelson, Trey. I forgot to say that. I had it on my notes to win the British Open. Tiger Woods, again, choked. He, he got offered a beer uh, as he was playing today. He was playing so bad. But what do you think about Phil Mickelson winning the British Open? You know, I care about as much uh, for Phil Mickelson winning the British Open as I've always cared about golf. 
<laughs> and that, that's not not really at all. Like I I don't care. Uh, I know a lot of people love golf. I'm not one of them. Uh, I heard you know I saw, obviously I saw that you won the British <laughs> Open. Uh, I didn't even know what tournament was going on to be honest until usually there you know until the final day. So you know good for him. Good for all the Mickelson fans because I know he has a pretty big fan base. So if you're listening, uh, I'm not hating on Mickelson. I'm just hating on golf overall. I guess. Okay, but hey, that's why I love Trey, man. You know, he's an he's an honest co-host here, so I appreciate that, man. You know what? I really don't care about golf much either, unless Tiger is actually playing well. If Tiger's in contention, I watch. If Tiger's not in contention, I don't turn it on. But I thought I'd put that out there. Well, Trey, let's real quick. Uh, let's start with the Clemson Tigers, as we promised. We're going to go through this preview, and we might not get all the way through it before the Vince Dooley interview, but we're going to start with Clemson tonight, and we're going to move to Nebraska. So, Trey, get us started. Well, you know, Clemson has uh, one of the more intriguing games. I mean, I think it's hard to argue uh, against their very first game, August 31st, uh, against Georgia. You know, Clemson returning 13 starters, seven on offense, six on defense, but it's really not about the overall numbers of folks coming back for Clemson, it's about Taj Boyd and Sammy Watkins. Uh, those two guys, those are the, the people you want uh, to focus on if you're Clemson. And really, when Taj Boyd came back, that became uh, really the rallying cry for Clemson coming into this season. So can they become a national contender? Can they uh, finally get over that hump? Uh, we have the first game, you and I talked about it sort of ad nauseum when we broke down Georgia Tarvin. You know, you and I sort of came to the conclusion that we thought Clemson was going to get Georgia right off the bat, uh, even though, you know, Georgia has a quarterback who's coming back himself in Murray. But Taj Boyd at that offense in Clemson, I think they were, they were just building that great win they had last year in the bowl game. I just think that this is a team that sort of is on the precipice of winning a big game uh, on the national spotlight in the regular season. And I think that comes the very first game, August 31st, against Georgia. Yeah, that's gonna, that's going to be the game that that could really define either team's season. And I like Clemson at home in this game, but what concerns me, Trey, is they did lose Ellington, the running back, in that offense. Which, is, if you know this kind of offense, the running game is huge. But they lost their center, uh, Dalton Freeman. And and Trey, I don't care what offense you run, the center is key, and you need someone back there. He's a he's really your second quarterback right there. He runs that entire offense. So I'm worried about Clemson there, but one good thing about it, they are at home, and they'll have the crowd on their side. They won't have to hear a lot of noise, you know, as their own offense. But I really like Taj Boyd this year. He's a, he's my breakout player, really. I mean, he showed it towards the end of last year as well, beating LSU. I think the momentum from that LSU win is going to take over to this year. They're going to beat two SEC teams in a row in trade. But one thing that concerns me, too, is Clemson always – chokes against some of these smaller teams. I could see at Syracuse, at NC State on a Thursday night in September. A game like that could jump up and buy Clemson. But looking at that schedule, man, we'll go through it. It's very favorable. Yeah, I mean, they always schedule. I mean, Clemson's gotten recently where they're trying to do what Alabama's doing, which is schedule a big-name opponent off the very first. And then they kind of they want to go the next game. is Last year they played two cupcakes before Florida State. This year, their next game is September 7th against South Carolina State, who was 5-6 and six last year and is not a good team. Uh, so they're going to roll in that game, but then it's a bye week. So, for I mean, rolling into that bye week, I think we both have them at 2-0, Tarvin. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. The two and zero, and then the tricky night. The good thing about it, Trey, the September nineteenth game is it is a bye week, so they're not going to really overlook NC State. They're not going to be worn down. This is going to be a tough game. I like NC State, you know, this year to be decent, but I just don't think they have enough to beat a Clemson team. Mataj Boyd, that offense is going to put up a lot of points this year, and I'm not sold on NC State's defense. Well, I mean, you know, NC State definitely not sold. I mean, lost their quarterback last year, which is which is tough. But the thing is, this is one of those Thursday night games, and NC State has 11 returning starters, which isn't a whole lot. I mean, that's about half your you know, half your squad or so. But this is one of those tricky Thursday night games. Uh, Clemson is a team that has always stumbled in this kind of game when they won a big game, uh, like last year they they won it. You know, they beat Auburn. And then they, and they stumbled against Florida State. This is another one of those really tricky games for Clemson. I think they win at Tarvin, but I think it's going to be super close. I mean, I think this is going to give uh, Dabo Sweeney a heart attack. I think this is going to really um, be one of those games that Clemson is going to win, but only by a field goal late. I think this is going to be uh, – NC State's going to be a little tough this year. They're going to get blown out in quite a lot of games. They're going to be in this game. Uh, yeah, they're home, and – and, and they are a tough team at home, but both of us have been three and zero at this point. Yep. And Jonathan Miklos has them losing to NC State. By the way, we shouldn't. So you know, it's not a, we're not out on the limb saying that they could lose this game because uh, you know even Jonathan has them losing, um, you know, to NC State. Well, we have them three and zero. I just don't see it out of them. Then we have what a nine day break. Since they play on Thursday, they get an extra two days off to play Wake Forest in Clemson. Trey, I think this has the makings of a blowout. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those games that if if they did lose at NC State on Thursday night, uh, they're going to come in uh, back home a little bit down to this game, but it's probably not going to matter. This is going to be one of those games where you know, you're just going to see the talent uh, come out in the second half for Clemson and they will pull away from Wake Forest and go to four now. Do you think Wake Forest is a team right now, let's just uh, jump on them, that they have any kind of shot of being successful? Oh, yeah. I mean, Wake Forest, is, they went five and seven last year, Tarvin. I think they have a legitimate shot to make a bowl game. I know we're not going to break down Wake Forest's schedule. Uh, they're, they're, they're not on par with something we're going to do in that regard. But they're five and seven. They have 16 returning starters, eight on each side of the, on the offense and defense. I mean, you know, their quality starters or eight starters aren't going to be as good on offense as, you know, five guys returning for Clemson or however it may be. But they're going to be a team who's played together a little bit. So they are going to be – I think they will make a bowl game next year, Tarvin. Uh, I think they'll beat some folks. They're probably that probably usually they don't beat. Uh, so I would look for Clemson or Wake Forest. Uh, they went five and seven last year, turned around and go seven and five this year, maybe six and six. Yeah, I think six and six is right. Just curious about your opinion on that real quick. And that takes us to a tricky game, Trey, October 5th at Syracuse. You know, Syracuse is known to play well at home, and Clemson not so well on the road. How does Clemson, you know, go on the road and, and defeat this Syracuse argument team? They're, they're not bad. No, they're not bad at all. And you got to remember that, you know, Syracuse is a team who really a lot of these ACC teams don't have a lot of, you know, don't have a lot of, Paper and tape on. I mean, they're they're brand new to the ACC, so they're going to be traveling, um, and that that's always, you know, we're traveling to a new location, which Clemson sort of will be with, at, you know, up in Syracuse, Newark at the Carrier Dome. It can always, 
can always be tough. I mean, ask USC last year. I mean, they, they kind of had some problems with Syracuse as well. So I, I think that they, they get past this game, so I don't think Syracuse is really that good. I mean, Syracuse um, last year, I mean, yeah, they were 8-5, and five, but they lost their quarterback who's in the NFL now. Uh, so I just don't think that they're going to be as solid. I mean, they're returning seven guys on defense. But, you know, again, we're not talking about seven quality guys. You have maybe a guy or two on that defense who are pretty solid. Uh, so we'll see, Tarvin. But, you know, always road games are tricky, but I got Clemson moving on. I do as well. No doubt about it on this one. October 12th, I think we both agree the home game for Clemson, they're going to take care of Boston College. I, I don't think they have enough at all. Boston College is going to have a dreadful season. I don't think they pose any threat to, to Clemson right here, even though the next week they're playing Florida State. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think you know Clemson's going to be undefeated hosting Florida State, uh, who, who was 12-2 last year, Tarvin. So what do you think? I mean, this this will this could be if they're undefeated, their chance at national glory. <laughs> this is a hard game to predict, man. And I'll be honest with you, it all depends really on Jamie Winston. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman for Florida State. I think they lost a lot. I think Clemson has payback on their mind trade. Too many offensive weapons. Florida State only returns four starters on defense, so. That's not good going on the road to play an offense like this. You have to have discipline. You have to be around a little while. I like Clemson to pull it off by about 10 points. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think this is a game that Florida State's going to lose just because they got, they're they losing way too many guys on defense. Um, you know, they, they, you said four starters. They did rotate a lot of guys on that defensive front. But I do think that, um, you know, if we see Jameis Winston – uh, if he turns out to be the quarterback a lot of people think he is, um, then that's really the only way they're going to beat Clemson. I mean, Tiger Boyd's just too good at this point. Uh, he'll he'll find ways to picket guys on the secondary who are new. Uh, he'll he'll go away from Darby on the secondary. He'll find other ways to catch guys off guard. So I think that you're going to see Clemson in a very tight game because Florida State and Clemson always seem to play each other pretty tough. Uh, but they're going to move on and be undefeated again after Florida State. Wow, we both have them undefeated right now. And, and this is when the real Clemson shows up, guys. This is the Clemson team that that beats the teams that they maybe should or are not supposed to, but then they trade, they, they turn around October 26th and go to a very improved Maryland team. I mean, could be a dark horse in that ACC conference. Tell me your thoughts here. Any chance Maryland pulls the upset after a big emotional win against Florida State? Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd like to say not so fast, but Maryland's 4-8 and eight last year. I don't think they're going to improve a whole lot from last year. So, uh, no, I think Clemson will move on quite easily. Not so fast, my friend, Trey. I'm picking Maryland right here in the upset, October 26th. Clemson's got a lot of pressure on them. This is the Clemson team that scares me. I mean, I know they can win. They can beat anybody on that schedule. But Dabo Sweeney, his history and his track record shows that he overlooks teams. They can't get up for every game. I think Maryland pulls off the shocker trade and takes care of business. Clemson loses their first game. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I think I'm looking at the schedule, and I think Clemson is going to lose one of these road games, whether it's you know NC State, Syracuse, Maryland, or Virginia the next week. I just don't feel like they're going to run the table in all these road games. But at this point in the season, it's just hard to pick these really struggling ACC programs, you really don't – it's almost impossible to 
take the ACC yeah. because, you know, these four and eight teams always seem to beat somebody they're not supposed to in the ACC. So if the ACC is still as down as they have been in recent recent years, Clemson will absolutely lose to one of these teams. But in the preseason, it's very hard to pick against them winning these games based on talent. Well, I just want everybody to know real quick, we will be moving the Dooley interview as soon as we wrap this up real quick. We won't be much longer on this. And as soon as the Dooley interview is over, we will be moving to Nebraska to talk about the Cornhuskers in the Big Ten. So, Trey, I think they turn around November 2nd after being upset by Maryland. They take care of Virginia with ease. Even though that's a road game, I think Clemson rebounds and and they beat Virginia pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go against you on this one. I think, like I said, they're going to lose one of these road games, and I'm going to pick the Virginia game for them to lose. I know, again, Virginia 4-18. Uh, they're returning a lot of starters. Uh, and to be honest, Virginia is a team that I feel is going towards the right direction. So I think Virginia upsets Clemson uh, in a tricky November 2nd game. And I know we need to go to a commercial, and I know that you need to – Get ready for that Ben Stooley interview, but uh, I do have Virginia. I think they're going to lose one of these road games, Tarvin. I'm picking Virginia. All right. Well, let's finish this off real quick, Trey. We'll be a couple minutes. Let's finish this off so we can start fresh when we come back. They got a bye week November 9th, November 14th, a team that they've struggled against sometimes, Georgia Tech. One good thing, they're coming to Clemson, but Georgia Tech is not an offense that you can just prepare for. I mean, it's just that team that comes in and they run the ball down your throat, they, they cut you, they chop block you, they do it all, and it's hard to prepare. This could be a scary game, Trey. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I don't think Georgia Tech matches up as well, I and mean, I know that option can sort of wreak havoc, but good speed defenses generally can shut Georgia Tech down if they understand their assignment. So I just don't think Georgia Tech has what it takes at this point. Uh, even after them making the ACC championship game last year. So I think Clemson moves on here. Hey, Tarvin, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, I'm going to November 23rd. They're going to play Citadel, and, and I think that's a big rivalry for Clemson since they're always on the schedule now. But I think we both have them winning, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no way you can pick Clemson to lose the Citadel. Well, this is it. I mean, you have Clemson with one loss. I have Clemson with one loss. Going to South Carolina, this is a, a bit of a rivalry now. These guys hate each other. Um, they're already talking trash. Clowney's talking trash about Boyd. So tell me about this one, Trey. I'm interested to hear your pick. Well, I mean, I'm going to stick with what I did in the South Carolina breakdown. I think South Carolina is just uh, – I think there's something special going to happen with them this season. I don't think Clemson still – I mean, you look at what last year in this game, Tarvin, uh, the Clemson-South Carolina game, uh, you know, they lost by 10, and that was at home. So this, you know, now we have them having to go to South Carolina. I, I think it's the same result. I think, I think Clemson loses by 10 to South Carolina. I think – I think Clemson and Taj Boyd, this is his last time to play against South Carolina, Trey. He's a senior. He needs to go out a winner right here. And I don't know if it will be enough to put them in a national championship game if they finish 11-1 and and win the ACC. I just don't think so this year. But I have them pulling the upset on the road at South Carolina. Getting, I don't know if it would be an upset at that point either, but kind of a re- revenge game you know, for Dabo. And that will be three in a row, or actually – 
yeah, three in a row that Dabo beat the SEC dating back to last year if they can pull this out. So I like Clemson in this one. Yeah, I mean, you got them at what, 11 and 1. I got them at 10 and 2. So, you know, I think it's going to be hard for Clemson not to even stumble through this season and win 10 games. And look at the schedule. It's very favorable for them to to make a big game at the end of the year, whether that's, a, whether that's you know, the big BCS-type games or whether, you know, it's something similar. So I think Clemson's going to have a successful season. Uh, but, you know, they're going to be very close in some of these games to, to stand undefeated. So we'll have to see if they can avoid the injury bug and if they can avoid some of these road upsets. Yeah, exactly. So I have them 11-1, and that's a shocker, Trey, because you know how much I dog on Clemson a lot. But the Taj boy, he's the reason that I have these guys. It's not Dabo Sweeney. So we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to do our interview with legendary coach Vince Dooley. So stay right there. Don't move. Have you ever seen a picture on the Internet and just think to yourself, I'd love to have that on a shirt? Or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt. Well, Actionware Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. All right, we are back, Trey, and I'm excited to play this interview with Vince Dooley. I hope you are, and I hope everyone out there enjoys this interview. I did. And we'll give a shout out to the chat room after this comes back after this interview, and we'll go straight to Nebraska. So, so enjoy this, guys. Hello, Coach Dooley. How are you? Well, I'm doing very well. Uh, sorry that I had a little complication right at the call, but nevertheless, uh, I'm ready. Whatever you are. Well, I just want to thank you and let you know it's an honor and a privilege to have a coach like yourself on this show. And, again, just want to thank you for taking some minutes out of your important day to join us. We're very excited. Well, yeah. Now, where are you all located? Well, we're in Atlanta, Georgia, actually. You're in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. My co-host was in Las Vegas, and he moved back to Montgomery, Alabama. So um, we are a web-based Internet show. And we've been going two years now, and we've had some great guests on our show. But, but when I saw your name, I, I got very excited, Coach. Okay. Where, what's your background? <laughs> Where are you from originally? I am from Albertville, Alabama. That's north of Birmingham. Oh, yeah. And, uh-huh. and right now I actually live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I work uh-huh. in the uh, fi- financial industry here in Dunwoody, Georgia. And this is just a just a hobby of mine, and and something we've been building for the last couple of years. And and we love SEC football. My fan base is a lot of college football fans, a lot of Georgia fans, and SEC fans in general. So I know everyone's going to be excited to hear from you. Yeah. So uh, are you ready? Well, to... any, anyway, whenever. Okay, Coach. Well, um, just wanted to talk about, you know, when I was a kid growing up, Coach, I remember the, my first memories was of Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson, in that era. And and I've always asked people, and you never can get, you know, a right answer, it seems like, but Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker, you coached Herschel and coached against Bo. Have you ever seen two running backs of that caliber 
in your career? Well, it's interesting that you could go a long time um, over a period of time and not have uh, running backs. They come along like Herschel and Bo about it once every generation. But then to have two of them uh, almost at the same time within a year or two apart uh, is really amazing. It's somewhat like those triple crown winners. You know, you go all those many decades and not have one, and then in the 70s you had about three of them all during the uh, decade of the 70s. Might have been might have been four of them. But anyway, both uh, very similar in the big. Uh, both were about 220. Both had great speed. Uh, Bo, uh, some could argue that uh, uh, that as an athlete, that, that the very fact that he was a tremendous baseball player might say that he was a little more just gifted as a natural athlete uh, than Herschel. But, of course, I'm prejudiced the other way because I coached Herschel. <laughs> and Herschel had uh, an incredible quality uh, that maybe separated him from all the uh, the great uh, players I've seen. He had this incredible self-discipline, and, uh, and which he has today, is in phenomenal shape. He's uh, well even today at 51, what he is. Uh, he uh, he well he's been participating in martial arts, which is an example of what oh. kind of condition he is. So. Uh, there you'd have two incredible backs, uh, both at the same time, uh, is really, uh, really something, and there'll probably be another generation before we see two of them like that again. Uh, great answer, Coach, and thank, thanks for clarifying that for me. Those are two of my most favorite players, you know, because when you're a kid, it just sticks in your brain, you know, these players like that, and I've never seen. In my lifetime, Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson caliber running backs that could do it all like that. And and thank you for the answer. And, and coach, you you coached at Georgia for 25 years, and and that's a long time. That shows the loyalty you have, you know, for the school you were at. And in this day and age, coaches stay three or four or five years, and they jump to the NFL and back. Were you ever tempted, coach, to to go to the NFL and and try it up in that level, or, or were you just content staying at Georgia and building it into the powerhouse you have? Well, I've really uh, always enjoyed coaching at the college level. Uh, I like the idea of uh, academics. I like education. Uh, I uh, I think there's a real joy in learning. So uh, I was really very much at home coaching at a university and being around a university environment and handling uh, players at that uh, particular age. I think you have more influence on them uh, during that period of time than you would at the pros, though I would have to say that the high school coaches even more so uh, have a greater opportunity to influence uh, young men in a lot of ways, uh, even more so than in college. But nevertheless, um, I had some discussion uh, about that possibility of going to the pros, but uh, really never had anything that... uh, that motivated me to want to leave uh, coaching at a university. And uh, so what I was able to do was be able to uh, survive a lot of crises in order to stay at one place a long time. It's awfully hard to do uh, in this day and time, and it was certainly hard to do uh, when I was coaching, even more so maybe today. 
But nevertheless, I'm very proud of the fact that I was at one place for a long period of time and uh, had the opportunity to raise a family all in uh, in uh, one one city and one environment. Yeah, that's that's an amazing feat. And when I think of the great coaches of all time, these are coaches that have stayed with one program really, and and really, you know, the loyalty is there. And, that, and I, I just want to commend you, coach. That makes you great, in my opinion. The wins and losses. I mean, that's one thing. You did a great job, but just the loyalty in the way you built Georgia, very, very impressive. So I just wanted to let you know that. And, and you know, back in the – you won the championship in 1980 with the Georgia Bulldogs, and during that time you had a three-year just dominant, you know, streak in the SEC in 78 and 79, Alabama won. So tell us about the SEC during the times where you won the championship compared to now, really. What's the difference in your mind? Well, Alabama uh, really dominated uh, the conference in the 70s. Uh, we were able to win the championship in the 70s uh, uh, outside of, uh, of Georgia. Alabama pretty much dominated uh, the league with Coach Bryant. Uh, in the 80s, uh, we did early. We won three championships in a row, and uh, then we came very, very close uh, to winning the fourth. Um, though we ended up uh, fourth in the nation in beating Texas, who was number one in the country in the Cotton Bowl. But uh, we had a record uh, 43-4-1 during the early 80s, which was the best record in the country. Uh, Herschel was with us three of those years. He was not with us the fourth year. He left early, but we had a great, a great group of athletes. Herschel was the the forefront of all of that, but he would be the first to admit that uh, we had a tremendous number of football, great football players during that uh, period of time uh, that all combined to have those great teams in the uh, in the early 80s. Uh, you have uh, a little more balance now uh, with teams winning championships uh, than uh, that period of time. Uh, Tennessee did early early on for many years. Uh, certainly LSU from time to time won championships and is now in the mix uh, to win championships today. But uh, when you realize uh, that now in a six-year period or seven years, whatever it is, uh, to have uh, that many championships, uh, national championships from this conference is rather uh, astounding. It's incredible. Um, and that includes LSU. It includes uh, uh, Alabama includes Auburn, and uh, uh, I think Tennessee might have been in there in their late mm-hmm. uh, 90s. Uh, but uh, it's it's just absolutely amazing that uh, you'd have uh, that much dominance uh, in this conference uh, that we have today. Great answer, Coach. And, and this is Coach Vince Dooley from the Georgia Bulldogs. And, Coach, uh, just going from – the recruiting aspect back in the 80s, you know, the early 80s, late 70s, until now, it, it seems like to me there's just so much emphasis put on re- recruiting, ESPN, people have their own press conferences and everything. How do you think you would have dealt with all this back then? Well, I think it's overdone myself if I had my reference uh, my preference and could draw up what I'd like to have. Uh uh, I think that uh, there's too much attention given to uh, players at an early age. Uh, I think certainly some uh, attention is uh, is a, is proper 
Um, but I think it should be uh, moderate and not to the extent that you have it. Quite frankly, I don't like the idea of, of television press conferences where you have a young man sitting there and he has three uh, hats of, of three different schools and all of a sudden he picks up one uh, and puts it on. I think it's uh, it's too much uh, drama in my estimation and I think it's a little bit uh, degrading to the other two schools that are not picked. I think that should have been done in the decision uh, earlier to let those schools uh, know that that, uh, that that individual is not going to those institutions. So, again, to sum it up, I think it's overdone. I think there's uh, too much of it, but uh, it's the reality uh, of what, we, uh, uh, what we're having, and, uh, of course, the media likes that. Uh, but my preference is uh, if I could change it, I would. Well, tell us, Coach, I mean, you had a great career coaching. You had a great career being an AD. So, really, if people out there listening, can you could you tell us really the difference between the two stress levels, really? Was it more stressful being a coach in the SEC at that time or being an AD where you're over it all? Well, uh, people ask me what I enjoyed the most. Well, I enjoyed whatever I was doing at that particular time. I enjoyed uh, uh, coaching, and then when I became an athletic director, I wanted to uh, be the best I could be at that, and uh, and, and we were very successful, I might add, and proud of that. But uh, I'd say that uh, looking back on it, though I never thought about the stress when I was coaching, uh, but when I got out of coaching and looked at it from a different perspective, <laughs> I realized how much stress it was. So compared to being an AD, uh, there's no comparison at all of being a coach. Uh, I've always said uh, you know, as a, the one similarity we have in the, between coaches and AD that both are decision-making positions. But the big difference is the amount of time you have to make decisions. Uh, ADs could uh, uh, could appoint a committee and study it for three months. Uh, coaches sometimes have about three or four seconds on the sidelines to make a real big critical decision. So it's quite a contrast in that respect. So I'd say that there's really no comparison with the stress level uh, between being a football coach and being an athletic director. <laughs> Great answer, Coach. Thank you for that. And in the current Georgia Bulldogs right now, I just want to know your thoughts on Coach Mark Ricks. He's been at Georgia for a long time. He, he has about a 750 winning percentage, just a great individual. I mean, I just want to know your thoughts on Coach Mark Ricks. Well, I'm especially proud of him, and I take special pride in it because that was probably the last big decision that I made as an athletic director was to hire Coach Rick, um, and uh, he has far surpassed my fondest expectations. I knew that he was a solid uh, individual character-wise, uh, a great uh, wife uh, and supportive of a family. Uh, he's got wonderful values, uh and he's also uh, been a proven uh, coach. He was uh, actually a uh, a key individual uh, in uh, the Florida State uh, program that during the decade of the 90s arguably could have been the best in the in the country and he was a big part of that. And so his uh, uh, his success here is uh, proof is in the pudding. Uh, he's had tremendous success on the field. Uh, he's been able to survive a crisis, which you have to do in this day and time. He went through one a couple of years ago, 
when uh, when his standards that he set so high early, and a lot of times coaches can be victims of their own success, then people uh, then have that expectation every year uh, to have that kind of uh, success, and it's almost impossible to do. But nevertheless, he uh, looked at the problems and was able to address it, made some changes, and has now come back to awfully strong, winning the SEC East two years in a row and came within a uh, eyelash of of winning the uh, national championship actually this past year. Maybe the national championship game was played in Atlanta when uh, Alabama and uh, Georgia had that incredible game uh, last year. And certainly I think Georgia and maybe some other schools in the conference could have beaten Notre Dame, obviously, from what we saw with Alabama. But uh, nevertheless, uh, really proud of Coach Rick. He's got an opportunity to do what very few coaches are able to do in this day and time, and that is to be at a program over a long period of time, which he is well on his way to doing that. And I think that's one of the few uh, coaches in the country that's able to do that in modern-day football. Do, do you see Mark Rick when he decides it's time to leave Georgia maybe? Do you think he's going to actually retire? I just can't picture him going to another school. I can't imagine him coaching somewhere besides Georgia. No, I don't. I really don't think there's ever going to be that situation. Uh, Georgia appreciates what he has done, um, and uh, I think Coach Rick wanted to come here and uh, raise a family in one place, which he has done and which he is currently doing still. And uh, I think this is where he'll end up and uh, retire, if I had to make a guess. You never are absolutely sure, but uh, if I had to make a guess on it, I would say that he would end his career right here. Yeah, I, I totally 100% agree, and a lot of the Georgia fans I know do believe that. But I think Georgia fans sometimes – they they take for granted what a what a great man they have as a head coach, a good leader, and a mentor to these young men. Because you see a, a lot now, kids getting in trouble. But I think Mark Rick has the respect of those kids and and the respect of everyone. So I think sometimes we take it for granted how great of a coach we have at times. But thank you for that on Mark Rick. So you you, you did say that Georgia came just an eyelash away from playing for the national championship, and I agree they would have trounced Notre Dame. But th- this year coming back, how does it look? You have Aaron Murray coming back, a four-year starter, really, and losses on the defense. How do you expect Georgia to do this year? Well, uh, on paper, offensively, it, uh, I think Georgia's situation might be the best that it's ever been on paper this early. And uh, with so many players coming back and having a four-year quarterback coming back and running back like that, an offensive line that is now seasoned, uh, and uh, on defense, while there's no question that Georgia will miss some of the big playmakers, I really believe the defense uh, will be solid. I really believe that uh, uh, they will uh, strive to perfection because uh, uh, people will look at them and say they're not going to be as good, and I think that will be challenging to them, and I think they'll respond. Uh, so overall, I think Georgia uh, has an excellent chance to be uh, right in the hunt again, and if things somehow would fall in 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 place, and, and they've got to in order for that uh, to happen, 
uh, they have an excellent opportunity at the end of the season to be where we'd all like for them to be. Yeah, the Georgia Bulldogs, what we're going to find out early this year, that schedule is very tough, especially the first four games. So Georgia makes it out of that, Coach. I, I really believe, you know, they're going to be the team playing in the championship at the end of the season. So it's going to be exciting to see. And, and looking at I just want to talk about expansion just a moment. I won't keep you much longer, Coach, and thank you again for coming. You know, the SEC keeps expanding up to 14 now. And, you know, at the time I was worried. They were talking about possibly doing away with the Georgia-Auburn game, which is the, the oldest rivalry in the South. Do you think it's ever going to happen where they'll take that game away? Because that's become, as an Auburn fan, that's, that's just a game that I always look forward to year in and year out. Well, I hope not. I think that, the uh, as you just mentioned, the oldest uh, rivalry in the Deep South uh, between these two institutions that have so much uh, in common that actually – started football at the same year and uh and being myself being at both institutions i do know that there are a lot of similarities uh between the, uh, the two schools um and uh i hope that that, that will never happen you never know what's going to happen uh but uh i hope that as this expansion continues which is all about money uh, I hope that that rivalry will uh, will uh, never end. Uh, it's it, it. I think that at least some point down the road, uh, they'll take another look at the realignment of the conference. Um, uh, when you have uh, Missouri, for instance, who is as far west as you can get, that's in the eastern part of the conference. Uh, <laughs> it, it was necessary to do that. I think immediately, but I think another look should. Uh, be given uh, to that alignment, uh, and if that is the case, there's a possibility that Auburn may end up may end up in the East, and that would solve that problem. Uh, but nevertheless, whatever it uh, turns out to be, I hope that that uh, great rivalry uh, will continue uh, forever. Well, Coach, great answer. I just have two more questions for you, and, and I know your time is valuable. But you, you took on a venture not too long ago. Uh, hired as a consultant for Kennesaw State here in Georgia, and I'm familiar with that. Can you tell us about, I guess, the satisfaction you received out of, out of getting this football program started? Well, I, I've really enjoyed uh, working uh, with Kennesaw State. It's been almost a four-year project, um, and I've enjoyed the people, uh, enjoyed, uh, in my case, uh, dealing with a football program in a different perspective is one that is starting uh, as opposed to one as uh, at Georgia where it had been established and uh, for a long period of time when I came. Um, and uh, it uh, also is satisfying to see it all come to fruition. Uh, after a, a lot of study, a lot of work by a lot of individuals, uh, support by the president and the current athletic director, Vaughn Williams, um, and then the hiring of, a, I think, a solid individual in Brian Bohannon, who played at Georgia but also uh, has uh, a tradition at Georgia Tech where he was the offensive uh, coordinator um, and uh, one that uh, lives in that area, one that has a father that was a very successful high school coach uh, who coached uh, as an assistant here in Athens and then was a very successful high school coach at Griffin High School. 
uh, and uh, Bryant, uh, wonderful uh, uh, person, family man, uh, and uh, is committed uh, to building this program. So at this stage, I'm really excited about it and, and looking forward to um, uh, when they finally kick off, as the old saying goes, is they're still undefeated uh, at uh, Kennesaw State, and we'll stay that way at least for another year or so before we finally start the season in uh, 2016. Well, Coach, I have my last question is not football-related, but I, I had to ask, how did it feel skydiving? Uh, just a few months ago. <laughs> well, it's it's something that I uh, it, my grandson and, and was the orchestrator orchestrated that. Um, my grandson, uh, we have eleven grandchildren, and uh, his name is Matthew, and he has cerebral palsy. Uh, so he's been doing a fundraiser for the last few years uh, for a program called ESP. In uh, in Athens, that's extra special people, um, and uh, those that uh, have some disabilities, uh, they have summer programs for them. So their fundraiser is skydiving in Monroe, Georgia. Uh, I had actually done it uh, 20 years ago with my son Daniel, who came to me and said, "Dad, remember you said you always wanted to jump out of an airplane. You have to watch about opening your big mouth; it may come back on you." As in that case, it did. As I did, uh, uh, because he wanted to do that, jump out of an airplane with him. So Matthew, my grandson, was trying to get me to jump out. I said, "Look, I jump with my daddy. I mean, my son. You get your daddy to jump with you." Well, to make a long story short, I finally agreed. If 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 your daddy will do it, I will do it. So all three of us got in the airplane together and jumped out, and uh, and I was I just turned eighty. So I told Matthew, "Don't ask me again. I'm not going to jump again until I'm 90. <laughs> well, that that had to have been a great experience. And, and coach, I just want to thank you again uh, for joining us. On the show, my co-host Trey Patterson is not with us. He wish he could have been today. Uh, but I just want to thank you again, and just a great man of integrity, Coach. I really enjoyed watching. That was the legendary Vince Dooley, and thanks everyone for joining us and listening to this interview, Trey. What'd you think? Well, sorry, it was a great interview. I mean, Vince Dooley, an all-time legend of college football, hearing his perspective about the game then and the game now uh, always makes you want to listen, always makes you want to hear what he has to say because, I mean, a lot of us sort of feel like this game is very cyclical. And so, you know, it's it's interesting to hear where, where you know, the, the perspective then and how he thinks the game might be going now. Yeah, I love the skydiving, man, to see. I like the part where he said, don't ask me again until he's 90. Uh, to jump out of an airplane again, but man, it takes it takes some stones to jump out of an airplane at 80 years old. Uh, of course, man. Of course. I like the way he talked about recruiting as well. You know, the the way it's changed and and just the the way people do teams. You know, some people he didn't say this, but they'll throw a hat in the garbage or throw it on the ground, and it's just a big fiasco, really. But that's the way it is now, and and everybody needs to accept it. But Coach Dooley, just a class act. Very proud of his 
is hiring of Mark Rick, as you can tell, and also, Trey, starting a, a, a football program at Kennesaw State, getting it going, you know, from the ground up and in a state where Georgia's king. It's going to be fun to see what Kennesaw State can do. Well, yeah, I mean, it'll be, well, I don't think they're going to do a whole lot, let's be honest, but, um, <laughs> you know, it'll, it's probably a fun side project for a guy who's uh, been in football for so long. Well, I find you in the chat room. We're going to get skybox mm-hmm. seats over there, Trey, to Kennesaw State and go support Dooley and, and, the, and the Kennesaw. And, and he's even said they're undefeated right now. So there's no denying it. Kennesaw State is undefeated, and we'll see how they go. But thanks, everybody, uh, for tuning in to the interview. And, and I'm sure we'll play that again sometime soon. And we will be staff picked. Uh, I think Tuesday is when this show is going to be staff picked. It's better than actually a Sunday because you get more listeners during the week. So, Trey, looking forward to seeing how many we get for that for that interview, and hopefully we'll have many more to come. But now let's waste no time. Let's get to the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And I know Joshua Shaw um, is going to call in, he said. He sent me a message and said he wanted to call in to talk about Nebraska. So, Joshua, whenever you're ready, bud, go ahead and call on in. We're going to get started, Trey. Get us started on this schedule and tell us, really about what your feelings are about Nebraska going into this year. Well, I mean, Nebraska is kind of an enigmatic team. I mean, last year they seemed to have a lot going for them early in the season. I mean, you know, starting off, you know, at 4-5-0, and they lost to Wisconsin. And then, you know, you had to think about with, you know, the Nebraska schedule with what really how they, the schedule sort of ended last year. With really that that game, uh, you know, in the Capital One Bowl last year, so it was just not not what um, not what Nebraska really. Excuse me, I'm looking at the 2011 schedule when they lost to Capital One Bowl. But I was looking at um, over the last two years, they've been a team who sort of had disappointment on their on their minds a little bit. And they won nine games in 2011, and then last year, Tarvin, you know, 11 11 wins, but really the wheels kind of kind of came off when they lost to Georgia. Excuse me, in, in the Capital One Bowl. Um, and then, of course, it was 10 wins. It, it, it was 10 wins. I think they won, was it 10? Okay. Yeah, I think they I think won 11 so. overall. No. I, they think, won. I think they were they were 10 and 3 headed in, heading into the uh, game against Georgia, I believe. Remember, they lost, I think you're forgetting about the Wisconsin Big Ten Championship game. I think that's what you're forgetting about. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking a look at the schedule now. And, you know, that, that's what, sort of what I'm getting at was. The end of the year, Nebraska really had a lot of hopes going in, uh, and then they really blew it. And they've kind of ended each season the last couple of years on a letdown with bowl losses, and of course last year, you know, the blowout to Wisconsin, and then um, the the Georgia Bulldog loss as well. So Nebraska's a team that's coming into this year, and they're in, they're in the Big Ten, and they, and so it's really a season they can try this year to make some noise and actually get back into that championship game. Where they got last year. I mean, last year I think they should have won that game against Wisconsin. Wisconsin was a really, um, I thought they were a pretty terrible team to win the Big Ten last year. I mean, <laughs> with all the losses they had. So I mean, this is a chance for Nebraska again to give. And it seems the schedule seems pretty good, Tarvin. Yeah, and one thing that concerns me about Nebraska is, you know, they won the game against Wisconsin 30 to 27 in the regular season in Lincoln, but but to get put 70 points up on in a Big Ten championship game against a team that hasn't been playing well, Wisconsin. They won that that because everybody else was ineligible to play. So I want Joshua Shaw. He's going to join us now. He writes for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. 
I just want to know his feelings of how the team's going to rebound from those last two games. And, and I think they only returned, what, four starters, Joshua, on the defense. So that's concerning if you're a Nebraska fan right now. Oh, definitely. I mean, the the defense is definitely the struggle. The offense is pretty explosive. They they uh, were able to move the ball on a NFL prospect loaded uh, Georgia defense in the Capital One Bowl. So that's not really a a big worry. The defense is a worry, uh, but uh, a lot of these uh, young kids that are coming in, some freshmen and sophomores, are faster and more athletic than uh, some of those guys who. And uh, also a problem for Nebraska was at the end of the season, their defensive line was depleted by injuries and they were undersized. So, that's why Wisconsin pretty much had their way with Nebraska. So, so Joshua, stay with us. We're going to go through this schedule. Trey's going to lead us through this one. He's going to take control of this. And, Trey, go ahead and let's get on the schedule, and, and Josh and I will chime in when you direct us. Through. Yeah, I mean, one thing about Nebraska, and I, I mentioned it before, their schedule is superiorly easy. They don't have a whole lot. Uh, and we'll, I'll, I'll sort of lump the first two games together. Uh, they're both at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. And we all know that when Nebraska plays a home game, it becomes, I think, the third largest city in the state of Nebraska in and of itself. So, you know, Wyoming and southern Mississippi uh, together, Tarvin, and I'm talking about together, they had four wins last year. Uh, southern Miss was 0 for, and Wyoming had four wins. So neither one of these teams have really anything to offer uh, competition for Nebraska they should roll through both of these games. I think Taylor Martinez may be back for like a 12th year as the starting quarterback for <laughs> Nebraska. I mean, it seems like the guy's been there forever. Tarvin, I don't see any problems that the Wyoming or Southern Miss are going to offer up for Nebraska. Nebraska is going to score a lot of points in these first two games. And, and one good thing about it, I don't see those other two being able to, to test that defense really. I think Nebraska gets some kind of rhythm in these first two and and hopefully get some experience on that defense, get some playing time and, and some confidence. So what do you think, Joshua? Yeah, I I definitely agree with these two games. Uh not not a huge threat. Southern Miss has a completely new coaching staff. Uh Wyoming does have a pretty good quarterback, but uh as far as defense they were one of the worst in the entire FBS last season. So I really don't see it challenge coming from either of those two. Uh, I do think the defense could gain a lot of confidence from these games, though, because the, any any playing time, I mean, that's huge, I mean, for these young guys that are coming in. But uh, I'm, I'm looking at the next game, UCLA, which that can be a, a tough one. Yeah, and Jonathan uh, in the chat room is talking about the Nebraska schedule as well. And, you know, we're talking about um, this is really their first their first competition of the season. And you got to remember, this game surprised both Tarvin and I quite a bit last year. We kind of thought Nebraska would be able to go on the road to UCLA last year and have some success. And UCLA uh, beat them by six and really a shootout, 36-30. to 30. Uh, UCLA uh, is really a team that's coming back with some starters 
and some experience. I think they're a really good upstart program. They're building themselves the way that Stanford built themselves towards the SEC, trying to play physical football. But I'll, I'll be honest, Harvin, I think with whiteout in effect, and this is an early start, which I think helps um, – you just think it helps Nebraska because UCLA is coming across at least half of the country to get to this game. It should be an 11 a.m., I think, central start uh, to this game if, it, if the game stays on track. I think that's going to catch UCLA a little sleepy in the morning, Tarvin. Uh, I think Nebraska will, will pull this out close. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think the offense for Nebraska is going to be able, at home, you know, to wear down UCLA, the physical running game of Nebraska, having a dual-threat quarterback back for his 70th year, like you said, I think the time change is huge, I think, coming across the country. And I think a little payback, really, is in mind for Nebraska. They have to win this game. I circle this game on Nebraska's calendar, and I know it's not a conference game, but, Trey, it's a must-win for them. I like Nebraska. Yeah, and so, you know, Shaw, what do you think about, um, you know, is this a payback game for Nebraska? What do you see the players' focus right now when it comes to the UCLA? Are they looking at this game already? Yeah, especially uh, guys like uh, Martinez and a couple of guys in the secondary. Um, uh, there, There's some kids from uh, Southern California that were real upset about losing in their home area. Uh, they're really they've they've definitely marked this game on the calendar for a shot at revenge, and they're uh, actually both teams are bringing out uh, some alternate uniforms for this game. So they always they always want to look good in their in their alternate uniforms. I mean, as they as they wanted to last season when they had different uniforms against Wisconsin, and uh, right. this this is an important game though because uh UCLA is they're not a pushover as they saw last year. I mean, I think they slept on UCLA a little bit and this year they really can't otherwise it could be ugly. Yeah, I think this game will help define Nebraska's schedule. I mean, Tarvin, if if Nebraska loses this early, do you see this as, as sort of setting a tone for them in the newly big in the new Big 10? That, that may end up struggling against teams they shouldn't they should they should not struggle against if they lose to UCLA. Yeah, I, I definitely do. You're exactly right. And I really think if they lose this game, that seat becomes a lot more hotter for uh, Bo Pelini. I mean, he has to get these guys to the Big Ten championship this year. And even though if he lost to UCLA, it wouldn't harm his Big Ten standings, but it would harm the reputation right now. Nebraska trying to get back to where they where they used to be. So. You're right, Trey. This is a must win for you, or for Nebraska. Yeah, and so that gets us close to three and zero. I'm assuming that even though Sandy, excuse me, South Dakota State uh, won nine games last year, that you're not going to pick an upset uh, in Lincoln. No, no okay. and I don't think Josh will either. Yeah, Josh, I don't, I'm assuming you won't either. Chime in if you do, but I think it's four zero into the bye week in September, which gets us to October. And yet another home game for Nebraska, which is which is kind of the key so far earlier in the season. And it's two and ten Illinois. I I, I don't see the Illini bringing anything to this game. They were two and ten last year. They're going to be a little bit better this year, but not enough to scare Nebraska. 
I think Nebraska is 5-0 and at this point, Tarvin. Definitely agree. Illinois no chance. Uh, so, and Josh, uh, we'll, we'll move past this one so we can get to some actual games here. Uh, yeah, it's hard to find some opponents in this for us to talk about with Nebraska so far. But let's talk about this October 12th game at Purdue. They were 6-7 uh, and seven last year. They're returning uh, 13 guys, 5 on offense, 8 on defense. So, so, Josh, what can you tell us about this game at Purdue? Well, it, it definitely could be a trap game. I mean, as you look later in the schedule, they have a lot there. As the schedule rolls along, the the competition is going to get a lot tougher. I mean, you certainly can't overlook Purdue, and they always seem to play even maybe the the top 25 teams real tough. I mean, I mean they they seem to bite Ohio State a lot. I mean, so I certainly see a team in Purdue that if uh, we don't pay attention, I mean, this could be an upset. I I think I think we have enough to pull it out, but but uh, it's definitely a game not to look the other way. I mean, because you can get blindsided easily. Uh, Purdue's not easy to beat at home. Yeah, and Tori, I don't I don't see this much of a trap game. Uh, Purdue, they're a very mediocre team. They should get beat quite quite handily by Nebraska. I think if we see Nebraska struggle, it's going to be a sign for later on in the schedule. But, Tarvin, I got Nebraska winning this game. What do you got, buddy? Another two. I mean, the quarterback, running back, receivers, all new. I mean, they're not started last year. So, I just don't think they have the skill players uh, to match points with Nebraska. I like Nebraska big in this game. Yeah, and sort of an interesting point here is the two that their two open dates in the middle of the season are kind of uh, not the most fortunate times to have open dates. You get a week off for Illinois and a week off after the Purdue game, and then you travel up to Minnesota, uh, and then their their sort of season. This is where the meat of their schedule comes in. They have Northwestern and Michigan and Michigan State and Penn State in the four weeks following Minnesota. So Tarvin, tell me about Minnesota. Can uh, the Gophers at TCF Bank Stadium in Minneapolis pull off the upset of, right now, according to us, undefeated Nebraska Cornhuskers? I mean, can they? Yeah, they can. I mean, Minnesota is going to be improved this year. I mean, they, they're going to be at home. They have a great coaching staff. They're, I mean, they're looking good. and I mean, they're not doing bad right now. I mean, this is a probably a seven-win team if you're looking at Minnesota. But I don't know, Trey. This is a tough one. I mean, they return nine on offense and six on defense. This is not a bad team. I, I want to pull the trigger so bad right now. October 26, guys. You mark it down. There's going to be some upsets in college football. Mm. Trey, this is this is tough. I'm going to say Nebraska just by just a small margin right here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, Jason Menson's even saying that this chat room may have a shot, but he doesn't think it. And he's a he's a gopher, the angry gopher uh, for all of you listeners. So, so Shaw, tell us about uh, I mean the four big games from Nebraska. Really, the entire uh, the entire season is on the line uh, in the next four games from Nebraska. So, tell us about uh, this the Minnesota game before we take a call uh, in the queue. Well, uh what I see in the what I see in the Minnesota game is 
Minnesota is a rising program. Coach Kill is doing a, an amazing job there. But uh, I still think that uh, Nebraska is a little too talented for them. Uh, I I think this game will be a lot closer than what the past two games have been when they've met in the Big Ten. But uh, I I still think it's at least a couple of touchdowns. I mean it. I mean I I'm sure Minnesota will put up a a huge fight, but I, I I'm pretty sure my Huskers pull it out. All right. Hey Tarvin, can uh can you check the queue? Do we have a caller? Yeah. Your own trade. Take it from here. It's Jason. Hey, Jason, how's it going? Good, Trey. What's up, Tarvin? How you doing? I'm doing good, doing good. Say, um, all right, so my comment on this Nebraska game, um, I agree with Joshua. The talent, as far as comparing the two, kind of out of balance. Um, <clears throat> but I just – my feeling is what you saw last year is not the same team that you're going to see this year. They're going to be much improved. Um, I think that winning edge, if we do get a chance to take this one, is if it snows. If we play in the elements and it snows and it's cold, <clears throat> it'll be very close. Um, but, you know, just my gut feeling, I just don't see Minnesota beating Nebraska. When I did my my take of what our schedule was, I marked that one down as a loss. So, <clears throat> you know, Nebraska – I would be shocked, literally shocked, if I do not see Nebraska playing possibly Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, you know, when all is said and done. Yeah, you know, here, Jason, here's a here's an interesting point, and this is kind of what I'm looking at with uh, with both Taylor Martinez is still the quarterback for Nebraska and just Nebraska as a whole. When I look at their road games last year, I see they're at US, UCLA, they lose by six. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they're at home a bunch. They're at Ohio State. They get just thrashed, 63-38. to 38. Then they have an open date, and they travel to Evanston, Illinois, to play Northwestern, and they get out by a point. Then they go – their next road game is East Lansing. They win by four. And then their next game on the road is Iowa City, and they win by six. Now, the next two games, are, they, they, they get thrashed at Lucas Oil Stadium for the Big Ten Championship game, and then Georgia gets them in the Florida Citrus. So – uh, you know, Sean, Jason, uh, tell me about – tell me about – I mean, do you, do you think that Minnesota might have a better chance than we think just because it seems Nebraska, at least last year when I'm looking at them, really struggle on the road? You know, if for me, I think what Nebraska suffered from last year was complacency, and it was clearly evident in several games. Even Ohio State suffered from complacency. You know, when – like – I'll bring up a point with Ohio State. You barely squeak out a win against Michigan State. You barely squeak out a win against Purdue. Now, I'll reference Purdue. We beat Purdue by 30. So, you know, in the Big Ten, it just just depends on that Saturday. Um, I personally think Nebraska won, you know, their lesson last year. I don't think they're going to have complacency this year. Um, I think they're going to be very focused. Um, that division in the Big Ten isn't as strong as the other division. Um, there is no reason why Nebraska shouldn't walk through that division. But, again, it's it's the Big Ten. So, <clears throat> I mean, I, I would say it boils down to complacency. That's why you see inconsistencies. I never saw that happening to Nebraska against Wisconsin. 
I mean, that, I was totally shocked. Yeah, I mean, so, Joshua, tell us about Nebraska and this, because, I mean, you know, looking at their road schedule last year, they, it was a complacency, or was this team just not, um, I guess, either talented or prepared enough to, win, to really win handily on the road? Well, really, I look at uh, the games you're referring to, and uh, and actually, uh, they the Ohio State game was a lot closer than that. They really had a meltdown. I, it's more of a meltdown in some of these games. And uh, Northwestern is a lot better than people thought they were last year. I mean, I I thought, judging on what they accomplished up to the game last year, I thought that was a game that they could lose. I mean, there was a lot of games like that for Nebraska last year where they probably should have lost, but in the end they pulled it out. I mean, on the road, this team isn't the same as at home, obviously, but, but I mean, looking at, like, the Ohio State game, they they matched up well. It, it just wasn't uh, – it was one of those deals where they pretty much just melted down. They missed assignments. I mean, I I think it more it, it is more of a complacent thing because I mean I've seen it in these two years of uh, Nebraska being in the Big Ten. On any given Saturday, anything could happen. I mean, it's I don't know. It's always felt like that to me. I've seen. I've seen upsets, I've seen blowouts, I mean, but I've I've seen a fair share of upsets and I'm not really I I just think that's how the Big Ten is right now. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I, yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know, uh you know, Jonathan, I, I just excuse me, Joshua, I think that uh it seems to me that the X factor with the road struggles is Taylor Martinez. You can look at his his, his sort of home and aways and he's just a different quarterback on the road. So, I mean, I don't want to get caught up in the Minnesota game in this, but let's let's move ahead, uh, gang, and, and Tarvin. Tell me about, you know, Tarvin, you're, you're big on Northwestern this year. They were 10-3, and three, and they're returning 15 uh, starters, Tarvin, and 15, eight on offense and seven on defense. So tell me something, Tarvin, uh, is, is Northwestern capable enough to win? You're talking about going into Lincoln, Nebraska, and this, I'm guessing, is going to be a could be a night game. I mean, maybe not, maybe not because it's the Big Ten, but I mean, it could be if if you have two unbeaten teams. I don't know if you remember last year, Nebraska beat them 29-28, and and the coach Fitzgerald came out and said they were sleeping in the second half, or, or maybe it was their nap time. The coach said is why they didn't play well. But I really like this Northwestern team, guys, this year. I don't know why. I just like what's coming back. I love their coach. Going on the road is going to be tough going to Lincoln. I, I mean, I'm not going to deny that. But this is I have uh, I have them sitting right here undefeated at this point, I believe, and, and I think Northwestern gets them here. November is going to be tough for Nebraska. It's a very tough slate. And I like I like Northwestern, Trey. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll cut to the skinny. I think Northwestern is good enough to win a road game this year and a big road game, and I think it's going to be at this one. So I have them beaten, uh, beating Nebraska at home in a very, very tight game uh, that Nebraska could win. I mean, we'll have to see which Taylor Martinez shows up. But I really like Northwestern's talent uh, on offense this year coming back. Uh, so, 
Joshua, tell me, am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not. I mean, this, uh, in the two years that these teams have met while Nebraska's been in the Big Ten, uh, these, these games have been decided by a combined four points. I mean, uh, Northwestern has beaten Nebraska and Lincoln before. I, I believe they have a chance, but but the question for me is, uh, I don't get me wrong, I, I like Pat Fitzgerald and the job he's doing there, but uh, Northwestern isn't going to sneak up on anyone this year. They're they're expected to do well this year, uh, and it's to me it's on them how they handle that pressure. I think I think just the simple fact that Nebraska is at home is huge for them because if if it were in Evanston, I would immediately pull the trigger on Northwestern here. But but um I I definitely give the edge to the Huskers at home just on the fact of how well they've played at home uh, during their time in the Big Ten. Yeah, and just before I let uh, the Ingrid go for our Big Ten guy go, uh, Jason, tell me, uh, what do you think? Uh, are me and Tarvin off base on picking uh, the Fitzgerald, the fighting Fitzgeralds in this game? Well, I, I don't – I don't think you guys are off base with that assumption. Uh, I I definitely think it could happen, uh, judging on the the talent I've seen with them. But I I definitely think that uh, that uh, Nebraska at home could pull us out. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Northwestern won at all. I mean, I I think highly of them going into the season, like you guys do. But I. This one's a close one. I I really think it has a potential for a shootout. I, one one worry for me about Northwestern is that they seem to their defense seems to wear out against these great offenses like say a Michigan or a Nebraska. I mean, I've watched them play, especially last year. They they uh, seem to melt down in the second half and. You know, they may be winning the first half, but this is a two-half ball game. It's not just two quarters. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from, Joshua. I thought we still had Jason Minson on, who, who actually agrees with you. He says Northwestern is not going to take it in Lincoln. Their defense is going to break down. So I'm going to move us on to uh, the next game, Tarvin. Uh, I'll go ahead and cut to the chase. I have this as the second loss in a row for uh, Nebraska. The Cornhuskers going to Michigan, who uh, were eight and five last year. We've talked to Tom Luganville, and he, he could have, you know, at least converted you on this starting quarterback, uh, Gardner. So tell me, <laughs> Tarvin, are you going to stick with Michigan in this game? I am actually. I, I like Michigan this year. Gardner is a great dual threat quarterback. I think being at home will be enough. I mean, this schedule for Nebraska, I don't know how they're going to react to to playing. I mean, they played Minnesota, Northwestern, now Michigan. I mean, these are not pushover teams like they had earlier in the the schedule. I think Michigan's a contender this year for the Big Ten, and I I really like Michigan right here, Trey, to get it done. Garner's the real deal. Yeah, so Joshua, tell us uh, real quick about about this game. Is this your predicting a loss or a win here? Uh, I'm definitely uh, predicting a loss. Uh, nothing uh, based on uh, Bo Pelini's track record as the head coach uh, going into these big, hostile road environments. I mean, we saw the meltdown last year against Ohio State. 
I think this game will be closer than the game that was played two years ago where they just they melted down. But I don't – I would be shocked if Nebraska won this game. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Huskers. But, but I, I mean, Brady Hoke's done a good job at Michigan. And and actually, he he's – if I recall, he, he hasn't lost a single game at home as head coach. I mean – so he's hard to hard to hard to beat there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of us in looking at the chat room think that um, that this is a loss for Nebraska. And you know, I'm not a big Taylor Martinez fan, especially when it comes down to road games. You know, I hope Nebraska has a better season. But you know, looking at this next game, is coming back home to Mich- with Michigan State, Tarvin. And you know, I picked Michigan State to win the Big Ten last year, and boy, was I was I incredibly wrong. They finished seven <laughs> and six. So, Tarvin, Michigan State going to Lincoln. What do you think? I like Nebraska. I like Nebraska in this one. I just don't see them losing three in a row. I think they bounce back and beat Michigan State. I'm not high on Michigan State this year. Uh, I think Nebraska's offense will get it done in this one, so I like them. No three in a row, Trey. I just don't like them losing that many. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think Michigan State will – I think they're going to win more games than seven than they did last year, but I think this is going to be a struggle for them. Uh, I'm going to move us on, uh, Joshua, to the Penn State game. So I think that you might agree with us on the Michigan State game. So at Penn State, Tarvin, I think this is possibly – a loss, but I just think Penn State is going to struggle after the emotional year they had last year. I think they're going to have some talent and depth issues now that some of the sanctions have kicked in, uh, and all these transfers are really going to start to hurt they had last year. So, Tarvin, what do you think about the Nittany Lions? Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I love their coach. Great guy, but Penn State, let's face it, the probation is going to start hurting them this year and the years after, especially with the depth and the talent. They did a good job recruiting, but I don't think they have enough offense to really keep up with Nebraska. I think Nebraska, you know, is eyeing the Big Ten championship trying to get there. So I'd like them to to beat Penn State, even though it's in Happy Valley. It's not going to be happy long. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, this game is. I want to pick. I want to pick the Nittany Lions just because it's a road game and because Nebraska, you know, they don't they don't really play to the highest level when they're on the road. But I think Nebraska will pull this out on the road. Very, very close. I think in the fourth quarter, I think it's going to come down to depth. So, Joshua, just real quick, what do you think about this one? Well, I I think there's potential for a loss here, but I I believe that they'll they'll pull it out against Penn State. I mean, the, Penn State lost some leadership on, from that defense last year, a couple of, a couple of key leaders. And that that can end up paying, uh, playing a big role, and they they may very well be starting a true freshman quarterback. But uh, I mean, I I'm kind of in the same boat as uh, Tarvin. I mean, I I think that eventually with with these uh, these uh, penalties uh, or the sanctions, I mean uh, the that depth issues will become a pro uh, a problem. Eventually, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be this year, but it very well could be. I mean, after last season, a couple of more guys decided to transfer out. I mean, I I see depth potentially being an issue. I do I do know that B 
Beaver Stadium on any given Saturday is a tough place to grab a road win at. But I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at a win here. Yeah, I, mean, I think so, and that, that gets us to a game that Nebraska really struggled with last year, Tobin, and that was uh, at Iowa that last year they won 13-7. to I just don't see them having the same struggles. Now this game is flipped to Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Tarvin, so that puts me at 10-2 and for Nebraska for the season. That's what I have them at, 10-2, and, and the big question is, will that be enough to get them to the Big Ten championship game? We'll just have to wait and find out. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, um, you know, you and I got them at 10-2. and You know, Joshua, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, so give us real quick, Joshua, what do you think the over-under on 10-2 and is? What do you have them at for the end of the season? I have them at 11-1, and but they can just as easily be 8-4 and or 9-3. and So, Okay, well, well Joshua, you, you know, uh, tell us a little bit before you leave about how we can follow you and your writings for Nebraska this year. Yeah, well, uh, for uh, Husker Corner, I'll be in charge of the uh, weekly game preview, and also uh, I'll be doing a weekly Big Ten power rankings on how the Big Ten is looking. And I'll also be uh, chipping in on a little bit of recruiting info on how the Huskers are doing recruiting-wise. Well, thanks a lot, Joshua, and uh We'll make sure that uh, that everybody, if you want to have those up-to-date, uh, you know, info on what's going on with the Nebraska Cornhuskers, you know, they're kind of a program that I've become near and dear to because of my family. My wife's family are all Nebraska Cornhuskers. So hopefully they do well this year, Tarvin. But, uh, it's a, you know, easy schedule from the very beginning for Nebraska. It gets worse as the season goes on. But thanks a lot, Joshua, for joining us. So, Tarvin, uh, kicking it back over to you, buddy. So, now that's Nebraska, man. Yep, ten and two, man. Ten and two, probably maybe nine and three. I mean, it's all depending on that defense and that schedule. Trey, it's easy to predict those games like that with the wins when you play that kind of a schedule. But it's a it's a back loaded schedule. We're gonna go to commercial break. We'll be right back. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Actionwear screen printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea, we'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionwear, where your design comes to life. We are back. We just broke down the Nebraska Cornhusters with Joshua Shaw. Jason Lindsay called in to weigh in on the Gophers. So, Trey, uh, I wanted to bring up something real quick before we get out of here tonight. Um, old Auburn basketball player, Corbani Barber, was found dead today in Panama City. Um, or it, might have, it was, I think it was yesterday maybe, but it was he, he drowned. And that undertow got him, man. I just want to send my prayers and thoughts out to, to his family and friends that, uh, this is a big tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. It's always, uh, you know, never, never like reporting the bad news uh, for you know when somebody uh, passes away. So, your thoughts and prayers with the family. Yeah, I just wanted to get that out there before we go, and and I just want to let everybody know we will be staff picked for Tuesday for this episode. So make sure you tell everybody if you can to listen in. I hope everybody enjoyed the Vince Dooley interview. But Trey, the two teams we're going to talk about on Wednesday. 
is going to be the the Northwestern Wildcats. We're going to stay in that in the Legends division there, and we're going to go with the Florida Gators from the SEC. So there's two teams this year that they could have real big seasons. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, the Northwestern Wildcats team that that you've jumped securely on their bandwagon, and the Florida Gators, who I've I have much valued with this year. I've, I've talked about how this could be a good year for them with Driscoll and his progression. So, you know, Tarman, before we go, and I want to throw this out there for you, looks like I'm going to be in Atlanta over Labor Day, and I might be attending that uh, that, that uh, big game that's going on there. Who's playing in that game? Let's see. And Labor Day weekend in Atlanta. Who's playing Auburn, there? Auburn, Wa- Auburn, Washington State's where I'll be. What about you? You're talking about, oh, you're talking about Alabama, Virginia Tech, man, right? <laughs> oh man, is that that who's playing in Atlanta on Labor Day weekend? I believe so, man. Yeah, so if anybody's uh, anybody's going to the game, let me know. Uh, I'll be up there with uh, some friends for a little little wedding, a little bachelor party thing. So going to we're going to be trying to go into that game, trying to go to some other stuff. So um, pretty excited to be going to that game. I'm, I'm not I'm not decided yet, Tarvin, on which color red I'm going to wear, whether it's the Virginia Tech. Uh, version of the album version. So, you, know, you guys who are listening, let me know which which color I should wear. Yeah, Jason said he's going to be at home on the 60-inch TV, and uh, it's kind of hard to miss any action when you're that close to it. But trade next year, for the next game that we'll be going to to start the year, we'll have our media credentials, and we'll be able to attend the game free of charge. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think, I think, I think we should start off with that Virginia Tech-Atlanta game because I need to go, so... Free of charge, free of charge. Now, I put my media credentials in for the Rose Bowl this year coming up, so maybe I can watch a rematch of Auburn, Oregon. What's the chances? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so I already have already have one vote in in the chat room that says that should be in maroon and orange. So it's one to nothing, Virginia Tech winning, and what should Trey wear? Oh, I have another That's vote fine. in, and it's, it's crimson now, so we're tied at one. And and I also wanted to make an announcement real quick. And Trey, I'm glad you're back. You know, in Alabama now, you can come visit now, real very quick. So we're we're not, you know, states apart now, and and we don't have to fly. So we'll get to see each other more. But our show we we got extended to actually three hours. So I mean, we're not going to go three hours every show, guys. I would probably pass out. But we will during football season. There will be some shows that we could possibly have a few interviews and go three hours with all the football talk. I just wanted to let everyone know that, that we are now a three-hour live show, and I'm just excited about that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And one of the things that, that I know that you love to do is hear me talk, and I love to hear you talk about college football. Uh, not so much, actually. We love to hear the fans talk. We wanted to really go an extra hour so that uh, that you guys could call in during football season and really uh, you know let's talk more about football as a, as a fan base. So uh, that's the the core of our show is, is you guys in the chat room and you guys calling in and we wanted a little extra time to, to be able to have a conversation with you guys about college football. Exactly, and, and this show is about the fans. You know, we 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 love the fans that call in, especially representing your team to discuss the games. And it's just good. I'm sure Rick from Michigan will want to call in and, and talk about talk to Sonia about the uh, Michigan Wolverines and the Tide this year. So we had to get an extra hour for those two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a whole hour by itself. <laughs> well, all right. I want to thank everybody. I just want to name some names in the chat room. Bruce Cowart, Chris Alderson, Jason Minson, Jonathan Miklos, Joshua Shaw, Lacey Key, Paul Ewing, Sonia Minson, Trey Patterson, Sonny Clark, the couch potato was in there, Roger Norrie, Aga, the scorekeeper, 
Cuervo came in. There's several others. Old Moxie, man, thanks for listening and, and joining <laughs> us in the chat room. We had a we had a lot of people in there tonight. We just want to thank everyone for coming out. And again, thank Vince Dooley uh, for taking that time to interview us. I actually had a, a, a good time with him, actually discussing some football. I mean, it was a, it was an honor and a privilege, Trey, to to be in that presence of him. So, a great guy, a, just a class. He's a legend, man. That's all I can tell you. We really enjoyed it. So Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, make sure you join us so we can just talk about some college football, man. Trey, we're a month away, really. I mean, just a little over a month. Are you getting the fever? You know, I mean, it's building. It's building. I mean, I love the summer. I love, you know, what what it means. But, you know, obviously it's getting where you want to start talking to college football and you want to start, you know, getting ready for those big games that kick off. And, you know, very, very happy to, to see those games coming closer. Yeah, and we're excited. Again, 9 p.m. Eastern Wednesday night, join us. Tell everybody that loves college football to come join us. We're we're excited to to get to do a show with everybody out there. So, Trey, great job tonight. Thanks for taking the time to join us, and and we'll see you Wednesday night, bud. See you guys. (laughs) 